us. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, God, that you will hold us, that you strengthen us, that no matter what storm we may go through, no matter what danger that may lurk over the horizon, you are bigger, you are stronger, you are greater, and you are the sustainer that holds us through it all, God. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, continue to move, continue to touch, and continue to be here tonight. Your son's precious and holy name. All God's people said amen. Amen Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. I want to thank Bishop Grandy for allowing me this opportunity to be able to minister here tonight. Our bishop for allowing me this. This is a great opportunity. And as I was thinking and praying about, Lord, what do you have for me to speak on? God kept on laying Philippians 3 on my heart. I love the book of Philippians. I've actually had an opportunity a few years back when I was preaching in Bulgaria to be able to travel down to Greece and go to Philippi and walk where that was. And it's an unbelievable experience. The book of Philippians to me is one of those great books that helps you through. And I believe that the Lord has given me a specific message for tonight for those that are here. It's something that God himself has been dealing with me and helping me as I journey through in the ministry and what he has. So tonight as I minister, it is a great honor for me to be here, but also it's a great honor, honor for me to minister to the ones that I look up to, ones that have become my friends through the years. When I was a state evangelist, I became friends with many of you that are here tonight. And so I find this is such a great honor to be able to be here. As we begin looking at Philippians 3, though, we see that the Apostle Paul had been a man that was dominated by pride. He was a man who thought that religion and academic achievement were more than enough in life. Yet, as we know, it was the Apostle Paul that had a confrontation with Jesus on that road to Damascus. He discovered that nothing that he thought was enough was really enough. And as he bowed before the lordship of Jesus, his life began to rise to the true dimensions in which he was called. When not devaluing discipline, Paul realized that following Jesus is not about religious achievements. It's not about getting the glory. It's not about having the splendor. It's not about what men say about you. It's about following God. It's about serving the Lord. It's about seeing what Jesus has in store. You see, beloved, no matter how many years of seasoned service that we have in Christ and that we've accumulated through the years, or how much wisdom or respect that we have gained by man, before the ancient of days, we're always a child. We're always small. We are wisely warned about this ever-supposing lifestyle of that we know everything. And we are compelled to always remember that in the believing lifestyle, knowledge ultimately does not relate to information, but rather to that person that we know, to know Jesus and everything about him. The problem is, though, like a child in doing ministry, we can get down, we can get sad, we can get discouraged, we can get in a rut. And as my grandpa Johnny likes to say, a rut is just a grave with both ends kicked out. We can get in these ruts of life. But Jesus has called us to more than just that. To keep going forth. To keep pressing on. 
for what he has in store. So in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 1 in the New American Standard Bible, it says this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and this is a safeguard for you. Beware the dogs of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to the zeal of persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness, which is the law found and blameless. But whatever things were to gain to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I suffer the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead, Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore... As many as are perfect have this attitude, and if anything you have is a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example, and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, who is in destruction whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to the subject of all things to himself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into your word tonight, Lord, I pray, God, that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say. Holy One, I pray that you come in this place, that you move in this place, and where there is a need, I pray that you meet it tonight by the precious blood of the Lamb. And all God's people said amen, 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 and amen. Wrapped up in the word press, in the Greek, is dioko. It is this idea of pressure that we see here, occurring three times from Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 14. Dioko intermittently describes to follow, to pursue, to persecute, to flee. It is suggesting an impassioned pursuit. 
Paul says this, that as he follows Christ in a strong pursuit, constantly going after, doing whatever it takes, but he also describes how in his former life he persecuted the church with such zeal in verse 6. There's an element of violence. There's an element of urgency. There's an element of desperation that is implied here that we can go ahead and adapt for ourselves. For us not to press in on anything that would go and jeopardize our walk with God. However, to pursue Him with the same passion and the same fervor, just as He's pursued after us. Paul writes in verse 12, not only that I've attained this or I'm always made perfect, but I press on. I keep going. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's talking about maintaining a compass-like direction for your life. To constantly go after Christ. No matter what may come your way, you're pursuing and you're pressing on towards him. So tonight, I'd like to give you three things and three reasons of why we press on. Number one tonight, if you're taking notes, is this. We press on because of the calling that we've received. Press on because of the calling that we receive. In verses 7 and 8 of chapter 3 in the New American Standard Bible, it says, But whatever things were to gain to me, the things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ. Paul says that he counts everything else lost. Everything else is rubbish. The things that the world has so high in standard, money, houses, the nice lifestyle, they're all rubbish to him. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to him. He counts them all as lost so that he could have more of Christ. A lot of times in the ministry, it gets to a point where you're like, man, God, really? I need something right now. I've been doing ministry and and teaching and, and going on mission trips for the last 17 years of my life now. Since I was 12 years old, I started doing mission trips, started preaching, started doing those things. There are times in which everything seems perfect and nice and dandy and everything's going your way. Great times in ministry. Then there's those times that you go, "Uh uh-oh, do I really want to do this now? I had a couple months ago, I checked my account. I have two checking accounts and two saving accounts because one's for missions and one's for paying bills. I had $1.64 total in four accounts. I'm going, really? And I only had $1.64 total because I transferred the changeover between them. It's like, God, you really have this for me? We have those times where we question God. You really want me to do the ministry? Am I really called to this? We look at our friends that are doing secular jobs and going, they got money. They got this. My brother-in-law's a cop. I was thinking, you know, it would be great to be CHP. You retire after 20 years, and you get to carry a gun. (laughs) Can't do that at church. (laughs) Speaking of those times, you know, it'd be great to be a chef. I even looked into being a chef because the Lord knows I love food because none of my old clothes fit anymore. (laughs) 
like, man, it'd be awesome to be a chef. And I watch Gordon Ramsay shows, and he gets to yell at people. And you know, if you're a pastoring for long enough, you just want to yell at some of those people like that. <laughs> so I was thinking, man, maybe I could do that. And then God's got to slap you upside the head and say, no, I've called you to this right now. See, I've grown up in the ministry. I'm the fourth generation pastor in my family for California and Nevada. I've seen ministers. I've been around ministers all my life. I've been going to camp meetings since before I could walk. Most ministers that you run into are some of the smartest, some of the most ingenious, some of the best leaders that you'll ever see. Ministers, if they weren't doing ministry, are the type of people that could take a business and grow it into some large business. They're the type of people that could be leaders in the secular community. They're the type of people that could make a lot of money if they wanted to. Ministers are great leaders. They're impassioned people. They're they're people that could be politicians, and some of them are politicians anyways, but they're people that could be politicians. There are some great leaders that are in our churches and the church of God, but they know that they're called. They're called to do the work of the Lord. It's not about the money. It's not about gaining this. We know that God will take care of us. God sustains us. God keeps us going. Regardless of your profession, though, whether you be a business person, a teacher, a construction worker, a pastor, a worship leader, a youth pastor, or any other vocation, Christ is calling you. Christ has called you. Can you see him, though? Can you see him calling you? Will you listen to him? Will you consider all other things rubbish? For the sake of Christ, will you press on for what he has for you? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The question is, though, what will you do? What will you do? Will you bemoan what you are not? Will you leave what God has called you to do, the task at hand for others to do your job? Will you wait for God to force you into his labor force? Or will you answer the call uh, so that you can be all that God has really called you to be? Will you press on and take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of you? In Ephesians 4, 1, in the NIV, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Beloved, throughout the Bible, from the beginning to the end, it points out different people that have pressed on. God called them out of obscurity and told them, this is what you're called to do, and they moved on. Look at Noah. He was just a guy trying to live his life, but God called him out, and he pressed on. Moses was living in exile. He was living on the backside of a desert when he saw a bush that wouldn't burn, and he heard a voice that said, I am that I am. And then he stepped up to his call and he pushed on. Joshua ran up to an armed warrior and said, are you for us or are you against us? 
He fell down at his feet when he heard his voice because he knew the voice because he used to sit outside of the tent of Moses as Moses would talk to him face to face. And he stepped up to his call at that point and he pressed on. David was a shepherd tending to his sheep when the old prophet poured oil on his head and he stepped up to his call and he pressed on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to a pagan king's image because they stepped up to their call and they kept pressing and kept pressing and kept pressing until the king saw a fourth man standing in that furnace with them. Peter was going fishing and then he stepped up to his call. Paul was going to kill Christians, but then he stepped up to his call. Our Lord Jesus, he could have called 10,000 legions down from heaven, but he knew his call. And he kept pressing on and pressing on and pressing on no matter what it took. Beloved, I pray that you may see with eyes of clarity. May you hear the gentle whisper of the Spirit of the Lord God when he asks, who will go? May you step up to the call. May you go forth in that call and keep pressing on and pressing on and pressing on and never giving up and never giving up because you know that God is on your side. The Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Romans in Romans chapter 11 verse 29 for the gifts and his call are irrevocable. It is hard in the ministry. People turn their back on you. Your most trusted friends will leave you, but God will never leave you. God will never forsake you, and he'll help you through each of those moments. Just press on. Keep going forth. Number two tonight, we press on by not looking back, but actually moving forward. Actually moving forward. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 15, in the NIV, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view on things. A lot of times we get stuck in the past. Whether that be for good or for bad. We get stuck in the past. I've had countless times where I know that I've messed up. Especially when you're young and dumb and getting in the ministry, you're going to mess up. You say things that you shouldn't say. You do things that you shouldn't do. You act ways that you shouldn't act. We mess up. But we have to press on and keep going forward. Our tomorrows are what we hope for them to be. But our yesterdays have determined on who we are. All that we are today is predicated upon our yesterdays. For good or for bad, or for bad our, our past has determined who we are. It has impacted and it's molded our way of thinking. It has taken our attitude. 
and changed it. Our fears and our insecurities, our hopes and our dreams, whether we're pessimistic or optimistic, or if you really think you're a realist, you're just lying to yourself, whether you're pessimistic or optimistic, it's determined those things. In fact, our very life is determined on our past. Yesterday's pains and sorrows, wounds and failures will often rob us of tomorrow's blessings. And our yesterday's blessings and pleasure and prosperity can often do and will become tomorrow's idols. The power of yesterday, frankly, cannot be overstated. You must leave yesterday behind and press on to press ahead for the glory of Christ Jesus and his kingdom. Beloved, you cannot drive forward and look in the rearview mirror the whole time. We must go forward. We must see what God has for us to press on, to move forward. You must sacrifice the luxury of dwelling in the past. Today is a new day, and tomorrow is not yet here. But yesterday will never come again. To move on. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. Nathaniel Parker Willis once said, press on. For in the grave there is no work and no device. Press on while yet you may. Robert Schuller said, press on. Obstacles are seldom the same size tomorrow as they are today. Don't let your thoughts of the past get the best of your tomorrows. Keep going. Keep pressing. Keep seeing what your Lord has for you. Finally, number three tonight. We press on because we have a job to do. To grow in Christ and to reach out to people. I want to read to you verses 10 through 21, but in the message, I think the message is a great paraphrase. It puts it like this in chapter 3. I gave up all the inferior stuff so I can know Christ personally. Experience his resurrection power. Be a partner in his suffering. And go all the way with him in his death itself. If there was any way to get into the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I haven't made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got an eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less, a total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those see running the same course, healed for the same goal, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. The easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there will make their bellies their gods, and they can think of their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. 
We're citizens of a high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of a Savior, the Master Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole in the same powerful skill by which is putting everything as it should be, under and around him. Beloved, I think the first step of that is that we need to press on deeper in Jesus. To truly press on deeper in Jesus. Knowing him on a personal level. Knowing him more and more every day. To be strengthened in who he is. I believe as we begin to serve in the ministry, sometimes we forget who Jesus really is. We forget the God that we're serving. We get so caught up and we got to pay this bill, we got to pay that bill, this thing's going on and that thing's going on. This person's having marriage problems, this person's having this problem. And we forget who we're serving. We forget who we're following. We forget who we're seeking after, who we're pressing on towards. Beloved, we must understand that this Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Prince of peace. He is the mighty God, the everlasting God, the one true God, the God of the whole earth, the manifest in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who is the highest. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord of glory, the same, the great I am, the almighty, which is, was, and is to come, the creator and the sustainer of a chaotic universe. This God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is eternal life. He was with the Father. He is Jesus. He is he that liveth. Remember your God. Remember who you follow. Follow after him with your whole heart. Let your head be against his chest and know him in a deeper way. We must follow him. We, I believe that we also, though, need to press on upwards to truly worship him. To have that sacrificial praise and worship that we're giving our whole lives as holy unto the Lord. God, I'm going to worship you with all that I am. I know that when I'm in a worship mood, problems don't ever seem to be that big. But when I'm not worshiping, when I got this secular song on or that secular song or I'm caught up in this or I'm caught up in that, the most myopic problem can be the biggest thing. When you got that worship going on and you're praising God, everything just seems to be going a lot easier because you know that you know that you know that God is in control. And if God's in control, then everything else is going to be all right. We need to press on upward towards him to have that sacrificial praise and worship, to give our body and our lives daily to him. And we need to press on outwards to truly be God's hands extended, to reach out to those that are lost, to reach out to those that are hurting, to show the love of God. John Wesley said that you have one business while you're here on earth, and that's to save souls. Let us be soul savers. Let us be ones that want to seek the lost. No matter how much different they are than us, it doesn't matter because Christ loves them. And that's good enough. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. But how can people call on him if they've not believed in him? How can they believe in him if they have not heard his message? 
How can they hear if no one tells the good news? How can people tell the good news if no one sends them? Scripture says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who announce the good news. If not you and I, then who will reach out? I don't know about you, but I grew up playing sports, and I couldn't stand sitting on the bench. I don't want somebody else doing my job for me. I'm going to reach out. I want to tell those that are hurting. I want to be God's hands extended. I want to see people saved. Not to have a big church, because I could care less about that. But just so that there is one more person added to the kingdom. Because that's what it's all about. Will we do that, though? Will we reach out like that? Tonight, I want to finish with a quote from one of the greatest men of the last hundred years. Winston Churchill. See, I believe that God put this on my heart for this conference. You see, Winston Churchill visited Harrow University to give a message at his alma mater. It was in October 29th, 1941. An unbelievable speech. Part of it is which I want to share with you. You see, at this time, America had not yet entered the war. Hitler was advancing, and London was being constantly bombed. As all of this is going on, Winston Churchill stood up there in front of these young students, and he said this. He said, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 and nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Beloved, I say to you tonight, never give in. Don't ever give up. Keep pushing. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Today might feel like hell, but God will see you through. But you got to keep pushing. You got to keep pressing. Don't give up on today and don't keep on looking in the rearview mirror because God's got greater things than you ever dreamed, greater things than you've ever imagined. How do I know that? Because we got a big God, and a big God's got big things for us. So keep pressing, keep pushing, and keep seeing what He has in store. You haven't seen it today, then you haven't pressed enough. It'll be in your tomorrow. But today, keep praying, keep seeking, keep pushing, and don't ever give up. We can't give up. My generation, as shown by Southern Seminary, is only 4% Christian. We can't give up. The generation after me is worse. We are becoming like Europe. These nations in which have sent out so many missionaries throughout the world are now having missionaries sent to them. We can't give up. We have to keep going. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep seeking to never give in. Never give in. See what God has for us. George Whitfield once said, press forward, do not stop. Do not linger in your journey but strive for the mark set before you. Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified says the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose 
and to do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. Beloved, don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep seeking. Keep pressing on. Because God has it for you. All we have to do is, as Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But it's up for us to seek and to press and to keep going with all that we have. Amen, church. Will you stand with me? First off, with every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around right now, if you're in this place tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're in here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor, I just want to wipe that slate clean. I want to start over with him. No one looking around, I will not embarrass you at all. But if that's you, we just raise your hand where you're at, and God will meet you tonight. In Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? You just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Church, will you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And tonight, I accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus Come into my life. Make me whole. And help me to become all that you call me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, beloved, if you're in here tonight, maybe you say, I'm kind of drifting on my calling. I know that God's called me, but it's just too hard right now. I need to press on in it. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're in here tonight and you say, I'm too stuck on my past. The times I've messed up. Or the times that were really great. And I can't stop looking in that rear view mirror and just hoping that it comes back again. Or hoping that it never returns. It's the saying, God will take it as far as the east is from the west. Maybe you're in here tonight You say, I just want to grow deeper with the Lord. I want to know him in a new way. I want to grow upwards towards him so that my life every day is worshiping our God. And maybe you're saying, I need to be his hands extended. The only kind of ability that God's looking for is usability for that. Are you willing to be used? If either one of those three things are you tonight, I want to further advance my calling. I need to press on. I need to stop looking in the rearview mirror because I need to press on. I just want to know him deeper and be his hands extended.